Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We spoke earlier today to Akiba Leesman, who's the CEO of Mako Mining, their TSXV gold developer with assets in Nicaragua. And if you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation, and indeed the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. You can also find detailed company reports, market commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of commodities. There's also training videos on there, there's summaries of other interviews that we've done, and there's a big thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other. And if you go there now and sign up for the waitlist, you, you get a seven day free trial. Akiba, how are you doing, sir? Pretty good, Matt. How are you? Not bad. Long time. How have you been? Busy. Lots going on. Yeah. Where, 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 yep. where are you? You're, you're in New York, obviously. You haven't got back down to site yet. Correct. Uh, New York, which was pretty pretty hard hit in uh, March, uh, April, May, uh, did calm down pretty pretty dramatically during the uh, the summertime. Um, mm. Starting to have a, a minor second wave, but really nothing like we were experiencing uh, uh, respect to the pandemic in in March or April. Uh, but I, I do work from from home. Uh, it's good to see some of our guys being able to travel on an airplane down to site, uh, and I can't wait to get back down to, to Nicaragua uh, for first gold war. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to hearing all about it, actually, because we haven't spoken since the uh, beginning of June. Um, I'm just, it's, I'm, it's everything I can do to stay away from talking to you about American politics. I'm desperate to do it. Only a, few, a couple of weeks to go. Exciting times. <laughs> so let's not do that. Uh, but let's instead give everyone who has not heard the story before the one minute overview, and then we'll kind of pick it up from there. Sure. So Mako Mining is doing three things in northern Nicaragua. Uh, we're in the middle of building what will be the world's highest grade open pit only mine, scheduled first gold pour in January of next year. Uh, secondly, uh, we are exploring a satellite deposit called Las Conchitas with the objective of bringing that into the mine plan by late 2022. And then thirdly, we do think that we're sitting on an orogenic gold mining camp. The regional exploration uh, is fantastic. Uh, and we can't wait to be into cash flow to start really unlocking the code of this uh, this orogenic system. Okay, so obviously we spoke in June. A few things have happened since then, so maybe we're going to run through that. But the uh, kind of the, the the main meat here today is the mineral resource estimate, which I do want to talk to you about. But let's kind of catch me up and catch some of these guys up on what you've been up to. One of the first things you did after we spoke was you kind of set back the pour date. Correct. In, initially in uh, in March, uh, when it became apparent just how um, how serious the, the global pandemic was, was going to be, uh, we took back our original first gold port date uh, from September of this year uh, to, uh, to Q4. Uh, and then right around June, maybe a couple of weeks after we spoke, we, we further refined that for, for a couple week uh, delay when we got uh, clear understanding as to what the rules of the game were in terms of travel back and forth to site. Uh, I can say that our operating team has been able to get in and out of uh, Nicaragua since August. So if anything, there's been uh, an improvement to that refined schedule uh, that we discussed uh, in June, and we're well on target for first gold pour in, in January of next year. Okay, okay. So um, we, shall, we shall see if you're hopefully uh, able to hit that target. Uh, next thing you did, you raised some money, a lot of money actually. Was that quite easy in this market? Yeah. It was, it was interesting, right? So uh, we raised a net US $20 million. So when we put that first delay to the project um, in March, uh, it was about a, mount, uh, a month after we took a, a $15 million uh, unsecured facility from the controlling shareholder. And that should have been just enough capital uh, to get us to 
uh, first Gulfport, not even commercial production, but first Gulfport. When it became clear that this project was going to be three to four months delayed, uh, it was clear uh, that there was going to be a funding gap if we were going to be uh, continuing our exploration work uh, over at, uh, at site. And then really for the first time ever, we were going to need to fund a three to four month ramp up from first gold pour to, uh, to commercial production, which we're anticipating happening in early Q2. So we estimated that funding gap at about US $12 million, uh, all of which was provided in the form of equity uh, by the controlling shareholder Wexford Capital. And then we opened it up to a, uh, a bot deal led by uh, Stiefel GMP uh, to see what kind of uh, appetite there was uh, to limit the amount of uh, percentage in, uh, accretion that the, uh, the controlling shareholder would have of the company. Uh, Stiefel thought that uh, that US $8 million net uh, was a, a good number. Uh, so we did raise that to broaden out the shareholder base and we're using that as a, uh, as a buffer to our balance sheet. We've since uh, increased a little bit of our exploration uh, spend and we anticipate having about a US $5 million on our uh, balance sheet uh, in excess by the time that we're in a net positive cash flow. Okay, I'm interested in getting into the story about that you sold into these guys, but we'll do that in a minute because I just want to whiz through the news news release stories just to put everything in sequence, and then we'll sort of come back to that. So uh, the other thing we have seen is a lot of high grade drill results coming out, um, exceptional. Yeah, it's been fantastic. So we, we had two simultaneous drill programs going on. Uh, we had what uh, eventually became a 24,000 meter uh, infill program at the uh, at the San Albino mine. And we'll talk about the, the resource that, uh, that came from that exercise. We've also had now in excess of a 20,000 meter uh, true greenfields exploration program at a satellite deposit or soon to be deposit a couple of kilometers to the south of San Albino, an area called Las Conchitas, which looks a lot like San Albino right now. Very similar grades, very similar structures, very similar geometries. Uh, and we do anticipate uh, that with a, a substantial infill program that we're going to be starting when the mine goes into cash flow next year, that we'll be able to bring that into a mine plan in the back half of 2022. Okay, so lots of drilling. You got the cash to do it. A lot more work ahead of you. First gold pour, Q1. We'll go with January, Q1. Um, January. <laughs> January. Okay. Um, so let's talk about what you were saying to the institutions when you raised that money. What were they buying into? Sure. Um, so we let everybody know that there was uh, a, a very substantial difference uh, in terms of how we were mining this deposit versus what was modeled uh, before uh, with respect to, to the resource. Uh, so I think everybody was going to anticipate uh, some of the changes. Now, a few things, the, the net effect of that was, is that there was a material increase uh, in the grade of the deposit. Um, and and we'll, we'll go over some of the, the mining techniques as to, as to why that's the case. But really, everybody was buying into the fact that this is just going to be a bootstrapped approach to get a mine up and running. It'll be the highest grade open pit only mine in the world. The cash flow that will be generated from that will go and delineate a second deposit called Las Conchitas, as well as exploring for any realistic target that we have on the rest of the 188 square uh, kilometer land package that we, that we own right now. Right. Okay. So the 2015 PA was, I think, to use, use your own phrase, was perhaps a, a stretch, over optimistic. Yeah. You know what? I was, I was actually more critical about P&E um, coming into the, the original investments uh, that uh, the predecessor company made in 2014 mm -hmm. that I am now. Right. So I, I think it's very clear that there was no funny business that was going on with uh, with, with PE and, and how they, they I think you said that they were generous in their extrapolations. Correct. 
Yeah. So let's 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 break apart the geology in terms of what's real, what was being modeled before, and then some of the the, the choices that were being made in 2012, 2015, 2019, and 2020. Right. So, so the the reality of our deposit. Let's start with with real, and then we'll, we'll go to, uh, to to modeling. We have a series of very high grade but very narrow veins that have a shallow dip across our, our property. And that's on San Albino. We have three primary veins there. There's probably another two kind of scraggly little veins, but uh, they all basically are very high grade and very narrow. By very high grade, I mean well in excess of a half ounce material. By very narrow, they tend to average somewhere between one and a quarter and one and a half meters wide. Now, on top of that, there is a geochemically distinct hanging wall and foot wall that generally is grading about a quarter gram, so sub-economic uh, material. But it, it's very clear that there's a difference between the hanging wall and foot wall and the country rock of this deposit. On occasion, you're going to find little little stragglers uh, that will spike the grade locally in these hanging walls and foot walls that will make individual areas uh, economic. But by and large, you have a narrow vein and a wider zone. Now, back in the 2012 and, and updated 2015 resource, everything was being modeled as a, a single unit. So forget about any fancy uh, geostatistics, which we'll, we'll go into in, in a second. Just arithmetically, that has the function of overstating the tons of the deposit and understating the grade, right? The way that we are modeling this right now is how we are mining it. And the way that I like to describe it uh, through an analog is basically peeling off layers of a layer cake, exposing the frosting, mining all of the frosting and trying to take as little cake as possible, basically going after the high grade vein. So what we did internally in 2019 and handed it off to, uh, to Mr. Ristroselli from MDA, uh, Mine Development Associates, uh, in the early part of this year, and then finally the resource came out, was modeling it on that. We're modeling the high-grade veins and applying a reasonable and conservative mining dilution factor around either side of about a half meter. And we're mining right now tighter than half meter tolerances. So by definition, the grade of the deposit needed to go up. Now, you're, the adjective that we use in the press release called uh, generous uh, in terms of what P&E was doing is very clear that the resource and the domains that were drilled out were representative of where the drill holes were. So they, they weren't really making up anything, right? So this was this, this had data that uh, that went into the, the the resource model. However, when you were talking about the full thickness of that domain, so the the high grade vein, the the hanging wall and foot wall. Yes, they were being a little bit generous on the size and thickness of that area, but more importantly, and this is where the, the fancy geo statistics come in, by not constraining that high grade from that narrow vein into the full domain, it was clear that they were overestimating the amount of gold within that larger domain as well. Now, on top of that, we took a very, very big pullback on where the data was permitting us to look for ounces that we can say are eventually going to turn into mineable ounces, whether it's going to be reserves or things that are going to be directly into a mine plant. The only area that we focused on San Albino was effectively the first 120 meters from surface. So any underground drilling, any deep drilling that was done prior to 2019 
we took a much more conservative view on how those blocks held together, such that there really aren't any material inferred ounces within the underground category. You basically just eliminated everything and then only took what we could say is part of a real underground mine plan. And th those are really the, the differences between the, the models themselves. So I, I do I do think that the P&E were, were doing things appropriate when it, when it came to, to 43-101 compliance, but it was clear that they were being generous on how they were modeling these things. And by not modeling it in the way that we're mining it, or even in the way that the geology lies, you're going to wind up uh, causing an overestimation of the the ounces within the deposit. Okay, th th thanks, Dan. St uh, Steve Rester Selly or Chelly is he a mining mining engineer or is he a geologist? Geologist. Geologist. So don't mining engineers normally um, determine what can be mined? Oh, sure. First of all, it's, it's a team of MDA, uh, right? So right. there's uh, is a full team. See, he's one of the competent persons. And he's, he was the guy running the show. So that his name is uh, has the big signature, as, as well as mine, for that matter, uh, on this report. Right. Okay. Okay. So the, a mining engineer has looked at this and, and uh, defined the block model. Yep. Got it. So can we? I think we can park the 2015 PA, your parking, and I think that's possibly some of the problem you're experiencing or seeing or hearing in the marketplace. People are a little bit concerned about the new uh, mineral resource. Uh, the, the mineral resource estimate, it seems to be. It wasn't, wasn't the reaction you wanted. I don't know. Any, anytime that we have real data that goes out to the, the public, uh, let, let the, the, the marketplace decide what the, the, the value of the, the, the company is. So, I mean, the way that I, the way that I describe this is that we are, we're trying to execute on our, our three-stage plan. San Albino, Las Conchitas, Orogenic Gold Mining Camp. Yeah. Truly, the, the only thing, and I'm actually ruthless about it, the only thing that uh, that really matters to me is, is the the long-term move of our, our stock price. And I think that's going to reflect how we're able to execute on each one of those three strategies. But if the market sells off because we're putting out data that is, is real, so be it. I, I don't actually want shareholders like that. The only thing that I can do is state our, our best case with a little bit of a conservative lens on that. And then the, the stock price will do what the stock price does as we execute. Okay. Well, actually, so let's talk about dilution. I mean, how are you, how are you treating that? So it goes back to the, like, I, I don't mean to, to belabor this dessert analogy, but but it really is kind of important on how we're mining it, right? So um, actually, this is another uh, good example. So, so first of all, we have we have four layers of uh, of grade control, and and there's going to be a punchline that I'm about to, to say at the end of this. But four layers of grade control. So we have the the resource estimate that that's really constrained uh, mostly by by drill data. So number one, we have uh, core holes that are going in to define the resource. Number two, when we're actually opening up a mining bench, uh, we have uh, blast hole uh, assays that are a good proxy for defining geology. Um, but are, are really bad when it comes to, to estimating the, the amount of, of ounces that are in, in the ground. And we, we can go over why that's the case in a bit. Next, we have our, our geologists that are taking um, channel samples uh, every four meters apart, which is actually very good uh, at doing an estimate for the in-situ grade of the veins themselves. And then finally, when the, the mine turns on, we'll have a, a, a belt sampler, which will determine what the, uh, the grade is going into the mill for, for metallurgical uh, purposes. Here's the punchline. We 
have not had our internal on-site laboratory pass our QA, QC level as of today. Hopefully that's going to be rectified over the course of the next two weeks. So even though our lab has been turned on since May, we are not getting the QA, QC that we need from that lab to run this mine. Everything is going off-site, which means we're effectively mining this without real assays. And the reason why we can do that is because there's such a sharp contact between the hanging wall and the country rock and the vein and the hanging wall. We are effectively, not, not entirely, but effectively mining this visually. Having looked at this for the last four months, this would be a problem on how we're mining this if we did not have this sharp visual uh, distinction between the vein, the hanging wall, and the country rock over here. It is a, it is a huge benefit uh, to how we're managing this. Now, given that, we have, um, as we open up the benches, once we have those, those blast hole assays back, we have a great control geologist that literally is standing in that open bench, and he will be demarcating where those contact points are with a can of blue spray paint, and we're telling a very highly skilled excavator operator to scrape off layers of that, that layer cake until you get to that blue spray paint, and then that blue spray paint is gonna be mined as one. Now, there's going to be areas which will, in the hanging wall and foot wall, that will spike above cutoff grade, so we'll take that too, but principally we're trying to limit the amount of hanging wall and foot wall that's coming out from the mine itself. And then once we actually get back these, these assays, and we've gotten back one full bench of, uh, of mining assays from an external lab on this, it's, it's perfect, right? Everything that we mine in the high grade is high grade. Everything that we mine in the low grade is low grade. And it allows us to operate at this level. Now, I can say for the first uh, couple of mining, high grade mining benches that we've been mining, we've been mining much, much tighter than a half a meter. Um, I would probably estimate it as probably about 0.3 uh, of, uh, of a mining tolerance right now. And in terms of how that resource is being delineated, when we report that, that 9.54 gram fully diluted grade, that is assuming a half meter tolerance of, of mining dilution. Anything below that, it means the grade, the effective head grade of the deposits going up. Okay, so how long did it take you to, to mine the first full bench at San, San Albino? Right, so the, the, the first bench where we were operating on one face while we were in the, the the quote unquote yeah. ore uh, took us uh, about a week. And I think we were probably running on average when we were in the, uh, the, the ore material about 120 tons a day. The second bench, uh, <laughs> it actually wasn't, wasn't even our, our, our intent, but uh, it kind of just worked out this way logistically. We were able to mine uh, from either side uh, of the bench. We were actually mining two mining faces simultaneously. And then because the vein was slightly uh, wider than we, we experienced on the first bench, we were actually uh, able to push this uh, higher than 300 tons a day uh, when we were in that quote unquote uh, ore okay. material over here. Uh, our estimation, because our, our target point for commercial production is 500 tons per day. Yeah. Um, so long as we are at three mining faces at a, a, a normal uh, level of thickness, we'll, we'll, we'll be there uh, hopefully without any problems. And how did that grade compare to the resource model? <laughs> right. So. So in terms of the, uh, the, the, the first one, so the first bench is the only thing that we have. I think we reported an 11.7. Preliminary numbers, I actually still need to do the, the final reconciliation on it. But preliminary numbers, 
numbers. Looks like we were in uh, 4% in terms of the number of ounces. Uh, so we were about 3.5% under. And then the grade was, was spot on. I think we were, we were estimating about 11.8 and we got 11.7. I will say in this particular zone, uh, there was a, a slightly larger void, a slightly larger void than what we were modeling before. If that void was of the same size, we would have been positively reconciled on both. Right. And what's the dilation um, indicate? Right. So th this is this is one where I've never had a, a, a good way of calculating a percent uh, of dilution. Right. And the reason for this is it's not like we're taking a vein and then just getting uh, like scrapes of the the hanging wall and, and foot wall over here. There are going to be components of the hanging wall and foot wall that are going to be higher than cut off. And we are are pulling that out as well. So on this 11.7 gram uh, bench, the, the actual vein was grading about 18 or 19 grams, I, I would say. But it, it's, it's not like we were experiencing 35, 40% dilution on, on, uh, on this bench because there were, there were areas that, that we, we wanted to mine in the hanging wall and, and foot wall intentionally. Um, so I still haven't gotten a, a, a good a clear, concise way of coming up with a percent dilution to give to investors, which is the reason why we only talk about uh, fully diluted grades. Right. Okay. So let, let's let's come back to the, the scale component here, because obviously there's been a reduction in the resource. What the market's going to want to know that this isn't some sort of Icarus type company which is going to burn itself out in two years. You're going to have to replace those uh, answers. You're going to have to, you know, build on those answers and. So again, if I come back to the institutional guys, I appreciate Wexford is a major holder here, but there are also some new institutional guys in here. What's the new story for them? Because given you know that was back in July, things have changed. You've learned a little bit more about what you've got here. What's the plan moving forward to make them feel comfortable that you are going to be able to make this sustaining? Sure. I mean, the thesis behind Mako, whether it's it's mine, Wexford, or even how we present to to investors, institutional or retail, for that matter, is the same. Is that for Mako to work, there are three things that we need to do. We need to to build a mine. We need to expand it to show that we can actually have some sort of uh, material scale operation um, in the in the global scale of mining. Let's call it uh, seventy five to ninety thousand ounces a year is just a, as a as a number. And then to show that there's going to be uh, longevity associated with with that. If, if we're not able to execute on, on any one of of, of those, uh, the underlying thesis behind Mako is not going to be as successful as we we underwrote. So that, that's that's first and, and and foremost. So the as an investor, you're always going to try to be um, handicapping risk uh, associated with, uh, with with each of that. We try to eliminate as many risks as possible on on the mine, right? So the, the mine is built, right? So everybody can can see my my pictures and the updates on my my Twitter feed. You can see that we're like ninety percent done, right? Uh, we try to uh, to eliminate as, as much of the the uncertainties around this. Certainly with the resource that came out, and certainly with some updated metallurgical uh, work that we've done uh, over the course of the last uh, couple of years. So hopefully that has a limited amount of uh, of risk that people are 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 underwriting. The the expiration side is different. Now this is the way that I, that I well can I can I just I let's let's stick with, let's stick with the mine component first and we'll, we'll bounce through each though. So on the mine, um, you've got a permit now. I, I read that you've got a permit now to do a thousand tons per day. Is that right? That's right. So right. We, can you feed the, the, can you feed that entirely from the open pit, or do you also need some underground to help you out there? 
So remember what I said before is that if we're at reasonable levels of, of thickness, three mining faces at a at a minimum to get to uh, to 500 tons a day. So to get to a thousand tons a day, you need six. We we can't find six mining faces at San Albino, right? So 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 full stop. Uh, that will require literally a second deposit to to go and and feed the operations from 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 Las Conchitas. So I don't think you can. Uh, th th there may be like uh, random months where where we're, we're mining a thousand because we're average average thickness is, is wider and we have some stockpile that we can go through. So, so what, on so what average, level? What level? Five uh, hundred. I think five hundred tons a day is, is very achievable. Like okay. in the. In, in How many ounces does that uh, give you? It, it depends on, on, on the grade it, itself. So if you are going to be assuming that this is a nine and a half gram a ton mine, and you're going to be running this at 500 tons a day, and you're going to be banking in recovery factors that we, we estimate somewhere in the, in the low 90%, and you're going to be able to do this for a full 365 days. And remember, we're, we're not planning on being in commercial production until early Q2. So uh, that will equate to a very, very high 40,000 ounce uh, a year run rate. But all of those, those things need to, need to happen. Right. Okay. I'll come back to that. That's fine. Yeah. Exploration. So so with respect to the, 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 the permit on a thousand tons a day, so that, that requires Las Conchitas. Um, I think in, in, in all fairness, uh, I was actually expecting the, the, the permit to, to not come for another year. So we, we, we applied for that permit early and it shows the um, clear uh, uh, approach that the Nicaraguan government is taking to try to get uh, operations up uh, as quickly as possible and at scale as possible. And it shows their support for mining that that, that permit was given to us other than uh, removing any potential bottlenecks that we have over at San Albino, it's not going to be a, a permit that we can really utilize for the long run until at least the back end of 2022. Okay, so that's, so that's great. It gives us a number, 40,000 ounce company. Um, market cap? 185 US, I think that's, uh, that's kind of like the number. Right, did you say that's mm -hmm. kind of up there for a 40,000 ounce producer? Well, right. And it's, that's the frame, right? So the, the frame is, if the only thing that we had was, was San Albino, Right, and we were going to be, and by the, and at, at nine and a half grams, which we actually think is a very real grade, that means at the high end of forty thousand. So I don't want to say fifty, but definitely above forty-five thousand ounces at, at, uh, at nine and a half grams, at that kind of level, then sure, like uh, I like can, to me, San Albino is only one component of this. In fact, I think I even mentioned this to you in the uh, in the last call that we had in, in June. To me, in terms of people can put the, the notional value of, of, of the company that they want, but at least from a percentage NAV, which I think I'm actually pretty right about, I put San Albino at somewhere between 20 and 30% of, of where I think the overall value of Mako uh, should be. Now, the, the importance of, of San Albino, in, in addition to, to actually demonstrating with this resource that we have the ability to, to mine something in, 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 in all honesty is, is, a, is a fairly unstandard way of going about an open pit mine. And hopefully we've put enough information out there to investors that this is a credible approach, both in terms of how we're modeling the resource and how we're gonna be able to mine it at 500 tons a day. That, in doing that over at San Albino, it basically lowers the threshold of success for everywhere else in the property. If we're able to find, let's say for argument's sake, in, in terms of, of your valuation math, is let's say we were an exploration company, right? And we had a high-grade, small-scale pocket of, uh, of of resource here, there, or elsewhere on our property. You can put whatever valuation you want on it: fifty dollars an ounce, hundred dollars an ounce, two hundred dollars an ounce. If it's at, at, at the, the extreme, the second that you actually have a mine and you're able to put 
any ounce, forget about on our, on our property, with this, a, a, at, at a maximum, it's going to be 25 kilometers of hauling distance at the top end of our property. If you were anywhere within 300 kilometers of our property, you'd be able to, to truck this economically. Anything that you find with grades like we're finding over at San Albino is clearly worth in excess of $1,000 an ounce to us. So it, it lowers the threshold of success for what we're able to find on the exploration front elsewhere on, on our property. Now, a, a lot of the context behind how this, uh, this company was developed after the, after the merger, then after the management changes initially in, in March of last year, needs to be looked at in the context of where we were trading at that time. Is that before we actually made the construction decision over at San Albino, we were a, a $35 million market cap company. And we had to go through all the work. It was a 19-month process to get this resource up in line to, to make sure that we were comfortable with how we were mining it. So that, that work, that capital in aggregate amounted to about $37 million to get us up and running was there. And it was a decision that was made last year. But we are going to be reaping the fruits of that decision simply by lowering the thresholds for success for all the other expiration ounces that we could potentially find on the property. But no question, an investor needs to understand that expiration companies by definition are risky. We're just trying to lower, let's say, the, the effective uh, strike price of that call option on, on future expiration success. Okay. So talk to me about costs. What are you putting the ASIC in? Uh, what are you looking at You know, being able to lower that down to across the year when you start producing at the rates you, you know, suggested? Right now, I, I don't want to. I don't want to pitch and catch on on forty three one hundred one. So we we pulled the the PEA because the the underlying bones of that PEA was based on a resource that we've now updated and this supersedes it. So we'll we'll talk conceptually about what the, the costs are because we all actually have started to mine the high grade and and we've been sporadically mining since February of, of this year and in, in the high grade pretty consistently since uh, since August. We have a single shift right now. Our marginal cost of open pit mining is a dollar ninety eight. Right? So that's why in the resource model, we had a, a $2 marginal cost for, for, the, for the pit design. You burden that with everything, oversight, loading, handling, rehandling, explosives, uh, everything with a single shift. It's costing us, and this is real mining, the real invoices, it's costing us about US $2.60 a ton, fully burdened uh, and all in. We said in that press release for that resource that we anticipate meeting or exceeding that 9.54 gram fully diluted grade of that open pit. Given that, even if this was going to be an absurdly high strip ratio mine, you can put whatever number you want. Let's say for argument's sake, it's gonna be in the 20s somewhere, right? So at that level, you're still talking about something that from a mining cost, a mining cost will be in the low $200 an ounce. That's it. And then on top of that, you'll put uh, your, your processing cost in, in that resource calculation. We put 60, which is our, uh, our anticipated steady state costs at 60, nine and a half grams. That equates to another $200, a C1 cash cost for an operation like that, assuming those numbers would equate to something in the low $400 range. You'll burden that with royalties, you'll burden that with taxes, you're burning that with sustaining capital, which is really nothing more than an amortization of additional tailings capacity. And then you're probably looking at something uh, that will be in the low $700 when all is said and done, again, uh, conceptually. Conceptually, okay. Okay, so you, you'll be making money at, the, at those rates, even if you're off. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no doubt about that. Right, okay, so, so, that's, so that's good news. So small mine, 50% capacity, first year, that's fine, because that brings in, well, 
do some maths. Well, we can all work out what that potentially could bring in if you start selling next year. Let's assume you do. You've got some cash flowing. Is that what the institutions want to hear? Because you're kind of, again, it's kind of a little bit playing catch up. It's a little bit trying to, because you're going to have to pay for the expiration component. Because this, this mining kind of, you know, for me, kind of levels the playing field a bit, but the expiration is where people should be getting excited. Hundred percent, right? That, no question. I think there's a there's a limit to our logistical capacity to to spend the money that's coming from the, the mine. Like, I don't think there, there's so many targets on our on our uh, on our land packages that it's, it's really not a uh, a limit of uh, of targets and, and thresholds for for expected returns on, on exploration programs that are limiting us. It literally is is how many geologists do we have? What's the size of our core shack? How many saws do we have with the ability to, to process things? Uh, to put that in perspective, when we were in the in the real meat of the infill program from last year, we were running six rigs. That that was beyond our level of capacity to process the data based on the staff that we had uh, last year. We're, we're obviously going to be fixing some of the, those logistical issues. I would say at a minimum, it's going to be we're going to be increasing from the 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 one rig that we have today. We're actually going to be going up to two rigs uh, next week um, uh, as well, and then at a minimum, we're going to be at uh, at six rigs by the time that the the mine uh, really turns on. But even at, at at six rigs, you're not talking about an exploration program that's going to be more than Let's call it eight or nine million dollars a year. It's actually very difficult to come up with with a budget that's going to be a, a bigger number like that. And again, that's not because of uh, of targets. Uh, that's just because of what we're capable of processing from a data perspective. I'm trying. I'm trying to get a sort of sense of you know where your numbers are at because again, there's so much legacy stuff going on here. You know, are you taking all of the money from San Albino and just plowing it back into exploration? I is there anything? Is it just reinvesting and plowing money straight back in the ground? In which case, you know, where's the upside for shareholders? But you're kind of outlying a sort of modest exploration program there. Yeah, it's not. I mean, that will be going in, to put this in, in, in perspective. Like on the uh, on that resource that we put out, it, it's it's only on 240 meters of of strike, at least in, in the open pit. I, I think if you, you include some of the underground, it winds down a little bit from a, from a strike perspective. But just on the open pit, where most of that infill work was done, it was 240 meters. Over at Las Conchitas, we, we've already publicly stated the, the the open pit strike potential on that is at least three times the size uh, over at, at San Albino. The, the inventory of drilling that we have everywhere on San Albino, open pit and, and underground, is just under 80,000 meters over there. Just to delineate this in, in, a, in a structurally controlled way, a lot of that was like figuring out the, the model. So I don't, I don't think we need to have as much drill density elsewhere as we do over there. But at a minimum, Las Conchitas is going to need just to get started a, a 75,000 meter program over an 18 month uh, period. So so yes, there's going to be a lot of exploration that's going to be done. But the, the pace of exploration that we need to do in order to be able to process that kind of data is going to mean that the amount of of cash that we're generating from the mine is going to be far in excess of what we're actually capable of uh, of spending. Uh, if if I had my druthers, I would rather do like five years of exploration all in in one year, so we actually have the data to to build a, a program around. But it's just not feasible to to do that. So this is going to be a company that will be will be generating a a lot of what is effective free cash uh, on on the balance sheet. That's the bit I'm kind of want to get excited about, but. 
you've got a long way to go to be able to deliver that, right? So again, the institutions must be looking at you, the market must be looking at you and going, you've got a bunch of baby steps to deliver to you know prove that you you know this is a this is a properly a change of management, a change of attitude, and a change of approach. More importantly, to the asset because San Albino is, you know, it, forget the checkered past, but it's got to be approached the right way. You've got to make the right assumptions. You don't get a second chance if it goes if those assumptions are wrong again, right? No, hundred percent. So a couple of things to to that. Um, <laughs> Looking back at the forget about the the, the pre the pre Mako we can go over that as well but uh, on on what I call day one of, of Mako which was mid March of last year where all right we got the management change and then or at the very least in, in August of last year where we had the the permanent management change where I took over a CEO and then then frankly kind of um, eliminated some. Uh, shall we say, uh, factions uh, over at the uh, at the board, so that we were kind of swimming in, in the same direction. So depending on how you count, this business over at Mako either started 20 months ago or uh, 14 months ago. Um, we we've been do, we've been doing a lot, right? In that uh, in that 12 to, to 14 month period, I, I don't think there's actually anything that we could have done to accelerate anything that we uh, that we, we could have done or the decisions that we were making over the course of the last uh, uh, 14 to, to 20 months. And the same thing is going to be be going forward on the the next uh, two, three, four, five year strategy as well. We 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 don't like to wait, right? So we're we're trying to do things correctly with the right levels of of data. But also the, the right levels of, of urgency. Um, we would like to have an investors that uh, that will come along for the the ride as we execute on that strategy. But I'm I'm in full agreement with you. There's actually a lot for us to do in order for us to execute on the three legs of the stool, which is building San Albino correctly and making sure that it's mined the correct way, that it's modeled the correct way, that we have a good handle on that applying that model to our next deposit over at Las Conchitas, doing that so we can get this up to a much more reasonable mining rate in the context of global mining. And then thirdly, being able to, to explore and be successful at exploring the rest of our land package, because there's certainly targets to demonstrate the success over there. But all of those require uh, capital, it requires expertise. And as with any exploration company, it requires luck to be successful. Yeah. Um, so I just went again for for current investors looking at this. What's that? What's that runway look like? Because you you can't, you want to go. You are going high speed internally, but you're not going high speed as far as the market is concerned because you can't. You've got to do things in the right way. Okay. So you've got to get to the point where you can feed the mill, right? And that's going to take, let's say, a drill bit, some luck some expertise, and hopefully you find what you're, 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 you want to find and you're chasing more high-grade things. Great. But that'll take some time. So what's, have you got a sort of sense of, in your head, of how people should be viewing this as a regeneration story? How, how, do, how do quickly do you build up? Yeah, so to put it in, in context, we're, we're about ready to, uh, to finish off an internal uh, 3D model on Lusk and So it actually is, is fairly, um, fairly advanced on the exploration side. And it, like, with, with that, a, a normal mining company would be able to put out an inferred resource, I think, I think today, a, a relatively small one on Lusk and in terms of where we're, we're, we're drilling right now. With that, that's the kind of data. And, and I think what we, what we did with, with MBA is, is illustrative of how we, we work on this, is that 
when the initial management changes happened in March, it was it was actually it was actually one of one of the, the best press releases that uh, that, uh, that I wrote because it was like four sentences and that was it. It was former CEO resigns. We replace him with interim CEO Akiba, and we start drill program. That was it. So that was the that was the press release that uh, that happened in in March of last year. It took us uh, with what grew to be about a twenty four thousand meter program to get our internal model set, and that was with uh, a good eight years of runway back from from the Golden Rain side of things over there. And then once we were comfortable with how the model behaved. We gave that over to to Steve uh, Rosselli from from MDA, and and he mentioned this. This was like the first time that he's ever seen a junior mining company give him a geological model that he didn't have to redo from scratch. So we we do good work over there. And right now, to put that in in context of where we are over at Las Conchitas, Las Conchitas is basically where we were uh, a few months prior to to March of, of last year. So th there is a. a a, a runway before we can even get a, a maiden uh, resource on, on Las Conchitas. But we're trying to do things uh, as as prudently, as effectively, as uh, as professionally as, as possible. I have no issues of getting interim updates. Uh, we put out all our holes, our holes are on our press release. Uh, glad to give uh, talks like this to go over the, the details on how this was, is, be, is behaving. But until we're actually comfortable with the model, and then until we give that level of model, which we're comfortable with to a third party, there's, there's a limit to, to what we can actually put out there in the public domain in terms of resource. But exactly. And I guess that's part of the constraint of that you're working in, because one of the one of the first things we talked about here was people are not seeing the scale and you're going to have to start addressing that over time. So in your head, are you saying, I'm going to be putting out regular resources, it's costly, it's it costs, you know, time, etc. But is that what you're going to need to do? Or do you think you've got the confidence of the market to be able to say, hey, give me a year and we'll put out a resource on uh, Conchitas because we want, to, we want to come to the market with something sizable and show you that we've got this scale. How, how, do, you, how do you come at it? No, I, I think there's a lot for us to, to prove, like uh, both uh, uh, historically, in nature, I think both sides of the equation had a, an equivalent credibility gap on, on uh, for, for different reasons on, on the moral and, and golden rain side of things. So, so part of the exercise of the last year and a half is to, to earn back some of that uh, that credibility uh, currency, uh, which I think we've actually been fairly uh, fairly decent at, at doing. Uh, I, I don't think we we're, we're certainly not the type of, of group saying, "Oh, trust us, do this, give us money to to do over that target." We've clearly not demonstrated our, our success on. Uh, on that, even even with respect to the uh, the capital raise that uh, that went on in June, um, the the I would say the the principal reason why we were able to do for the first time in in either uh, uh, company's history on either side of the company's history uh, a true syndicated bought deal I don't think had really anything to do specifically with with us our approach. Or even even to a certain extent, the asset. I, th I think it was just because the gold tape was 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 uh, was pretty uh, attractive in in June. So we're not there yet on getting the uh, the full buy-in for the market. That's okay. It really is on us uh, to execute. Um, now, in terms of putting out interim resources, uh, I I do believe, and actually you, you saw this in, in terms of uh, of what Stephen and and I put out with this. Um, this resource estimate is that I do think it's it's very important 
to, to frame things uh, correctly is that when you're putting out a, a document, you're putting out a document, which is your best guess on, on what's there. If you're putting out a document where you're, you're leaving the, the, the constraints of the, the resource open, it doesn't do anybody any, uh, any benefit. So we're, we're going to be open, but until we actually have the constraints, not of the entire Las Conchitas property, but of, of the areas that we're drilling, like we, we just need to find the constraints of it. And as soon as we, we find the constraints, then we have no, no issues putting out an inferred resource that we can actually put our stamp of approval on. Because it's not even just about drilling here and there and then giving it to, to MDA to put out an inferred resource. It's drilling it here or there, doing the internal three-dimensional modeling of it, make sure that we're comfortable handing off that internal model to an external guy to validate our work and then putting it out. And it, it takes time to do that. Okay, and um, just a quick one on, um, someone asked about um, uh, Potro Rilos, um, which he picked up. Um, Anything happening there, or is that just consolidating land? Yeah, so we were able to to do our first um, scout exploration work over there. There's no, and it goes back to that that 240 um, meters of uh, of open pitch strike length that we have over at San Ovino. You go to the other side of uh, of the El Hicaro River, which uh, is, is probably a couple hundred meters away from the uh, the extent of our our pit. We, we've scoped out another 6.7 kilometers of strike extension on the San Albino structure. It's going in that direction to the to the northeast. So, so Las Conchitas is very similar geology, but no question, it's it's separate structures and veins because it's to the south, to the northeast. It's the same. It's the same stuff. Now we've been able to uh, to do um, a, a scout work, a very detailed um, uh, prospecting program over there, double digit grades on a multitude of targets. Uh, we've done the same on the northeast of Puerto Rio, some grand, ground that we, we've we've owned really since uh, since 2009. Uh, a further extent, which is how the the full 6.7 kilometers is calculated. Uh, we're going to commission a, a a geochem program on the entirety of that the 30 to 40 square kilometers of ground that make up both sides over there. Uh, we've been a little bit slow of transferring the uh, the drilling permits that uh, that Condor Gold had uh, to to us on the Puerto Rio side, so we actually aren't able to uh, to drill there as of today. We we think that's going to be resolved shortly. But at least on on our property to the northeast over there, we're, we're actually going to be starting our uh, our our detailed geochem program, and and just put and the reason why geochem is so in, important is that. There's very little outcrop anywhere on our, our property, but the veins come very close to the surface, one, two, three meters away. So a, a layperson could assume that you're gonna actually have some, some really good targets that will be delineated through, through geochem. The only area that we've actually ever had a real geochem survey done on our property has been on San Albino and Las Conchitas. We, we don't have a detailed geochem program anywhere else on our property. And it really is just a a time and an effort. It's not really a large, uh, a large ticket item, but these are the types of investments that our predecessors were just not in, investing in. Now it takes some time, right? To, to do 30 square kilometers of, uh, of a couple of guys with an auger uh, rig uh, in, in four or five meter uh, uh, distances, it takes months to, to have that happen, but we're, we're getting started on that now. Good, okay. Th this is all making sense. Uh, it's making more sense. Um, than it did before, not today's conversation. Um, one last question. We talked about Nicaragua. Okay, jurisdiction for doing business. We know Calibre's down there, and there's some big players down there. Uh, how's security? Oh, great. Like, look, we, um, 
we were operating in Sinaloa, Mexico, where it, it became, uh, shall we say, uncomfortable uh, to, to go down there from a, from a personal security perspective. Nicaragua was fantastic from, uh, from a personal um, security perspective. Uh, there was um, political violence in 2018 uh, that, uh, that is really um, uh, been tempered uh, over the course of the last couple of years. There'll be elections coming up uh, towards the end of, uh, of next year. We don't really anticipate major changes going on uh, politically uh, over there. But from purely from a personal security perspective, it's, it's night and day. Nicaragua is actually one of the easier jurisdictions uh, to operate uh, in. That being said, uh, and I mentioned this before, is that probably the biggest risk to operating in a, in a country like Nicaragua is just because it's small, right? So it doesn't really change much to change the, the political environment for a country that has a $13 billion GDP. It's, it's, really, it's really nothing in the, in the context of, of anywhere. Forget about um, uh, developed markets, but, but even in Central America, it's a, it's, a, it's a tiny economy. So small things can make uh, big changes. Um, I've been trying to think of a mining jurisdiction that has as big of a component of their GDP uh, linked to tourism, um, and tourism being particularly hard hit because of, uh, of the pandemic. Uh, Nicaragua has got to be up there in terms of the, the most impacted um, uh, countries in terms of their, their economy because of, uh, because of the pandemic. It's not even, not even what was happening internally, but also just people's ability to travel from, from abroad. So I'm, I'm assuming that I mean, their economy has been pretty hard hit. So I think certainly there's, there's risk from, uh, from tax changes and things like that. But I think that's the case for, for all, all emerging markets uh, for that matter. But from a personal security perspective, it's been fantastic. From a government support of mining, it's been fantastic. Uh, from some of our competitors that you mentioned, uh, they've been doing a, a great job of, of doing things safely and securely in the in the country as well. So we're, we're, we're proud to be here. Good. Akiva, like, I really appreciate that update. Um, I like what you've done. It's more conservative, sure, but it's more honest, and um, I appreciate that. So uh, stay in touch. Let us know how you're getting on. Some uh, pretty big things happening in the next couple of quarters. So um, we'd appreciate the call. All right, great. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.